Do you love Jesus this morning? If you haven't figured out yet, we are a Jesus church. We are a people that love him so much. We have a perspective that has been changed and transformed and renewed. I think that Jesus is the greatest superhero no matter what Marvel tells us. I'm a kind of a Marvel guy. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the capstone. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is everything that we have here. Jesus is the only message we have here. Jesus is the only hope that we have here. I kind of get fired up this morning a little bit because I'm excited to talk to you about Jesus today. My name is Dave DeFrancesca. I'm supposed to introduce myself. I'm introducing my best friend, Jesus, instead. My name is Dave, and my wife, Tara, and I have the amazing privilege of pastoring this church. If I didn't meet you before coming in the service in the lobby, I'd love to shake your hand on the way out this morning and get to know you a little bit and just tell you it's a, we love having you here. We think it's amazing that you chose to be with us this morning. A lot of great churches in the area, a lot of great churches doing amazing things in this area, and you chose to be at the Avenue. We're honored to have you with us this morning, and we hope that you enjoy this service we hope to enjoy this time together today. We have some great things happening. As you exit this morning, you're going to see sign-up tables for small groups. Small groups are how we move to community. As this church grows larger, we also must retain the smallness of what we do and who we are. And so we do that in small groups. So we want to encourage everybody to be in one. Well, I'm new here, Pastor. I've never been to a small group. I've never, my first service. It's okay. Build a friend. Build a relationship. Go to one. Well, you've been here for four years now, and you have yet to check out small groups. I find that a little bit hard to believe because we have such a high attendance number in our small groups from our Sunday morning attendance. Uh, But maybe it is you. But if you have been in small groups, you know how life-giving they are, how powerful they are. We have uh, 12 or 13 different options back there. Make sure you find one and engage it and commit to it. Our leaders are trained, they're prepped, they're prepared, they're ready to go. Man, it doesn't matter what you like. There's a lot of different variety. So make sure on your way out this morning, they begin September 1st, you sign up for a small group and the leader will be in touch with you and give you more information. Also, as the announcement said, child dedication is coming up. If you want to dedicate your child, your baby, whoever that might be in your life and your family, let Pastor Tara know on the way out. And then that big announcement that we kind of snuck in there at the end that we've been talking about is we go to two services on September 11th. We love what God is doing, the way that he is blessing us, and so we are needing to make room. We need to make room for more people to have the opportunity to experience the life that we have here as well at the Avenue. And so 9 and 1030, listen, this is amazing because it gives us more more space, it gives us more room, it gives us more seating, but also it gives us more opportunity to serve as well. And so if you're looking for a place to be involved, And you say, Pastor, I just want to do something. I want to start contributing and give. Hey, have a conversation with me. Let me know. Let Tara know. Let Brandon know. Let somebody know. Hey, I want to do. Where can I go? What can I do? And we would love to plug you in and get you engaged because it's it's an amazing opportunity. But as the church grows, we do uh, grow in our dream team as well. And you want to ask about an amazing community of people to be a part of. Our dream team is a phenomenal group. We have a lot of fun. We do life together. And we get to serve together, which is amazing because we just get to spend that time together. And you want to talk about something like uh, as boring as setting up a chair, but you do it with somebody you like hanging out with or putting out a flag or taking care of some kids in the back or being a, using your gift and talent on the, as a musician or making sure that, you know, I, I think all the time, like, it's amazing that I get to deliver the message, but if somebody didn't turn my microphone on and adjust the level, you wouldn't hear me, my voice would be too loud, or you wouldn't, I'd be struggling all the way. We have an amazing dream team that leans in and contributes and does so much. And listen, every time you do, here's the, um, the, the part that just blows me away every time. Dream team, every time you do something, when we see somebody lift their hand, open their heart, and give Jesus their life, every one of us go and celebrate that. Every one of us get to play a part in that. It doesn't matter if you put the flag out and somebody saw the sign and they came in. God's like, I got you. I got you. You put the flag out and they saw it. And it's amazing what God is doing here as well. We love being a part of this team and this church. So thank you, Dream Team, for all that you do as well. Two services, nine and 1030, hey, come on, be a part of what God is doing here. Partner with him. We're beginning a new service today, I mean, a new series this morning 
uh, called DNA. If you could tell, I'm a little bit excited. I got a little hype to me this morning. And don't get my hype mixed up with the fact that I really believe in what I'm talking about this morning and really where we're going with this, where we're driving with this message. Culture is so vital in everything you do. Your family has a culture. Your life has a culture. You know, whether or not you, when, you, when you respond to that meeting and you say, I'll be there, there's a culture that people know if you're going to be punctual or you're going to be tardy. You know that. Because the way you live, the way that you respond, the way that you act, the way that you are, your personality, the way you respond when a situation gets difficult is because of the culture you live under and you set in in your life. If you deal with it well or if it deals with you, it's because of the culture you have. And oftentimes we don't understand that we determine culture by being culture. You want to change the culture in your life, your family, the dynamics at home, in your marriage. You want to change the culture at your church. You want to change it at your job. You change it by being it in the way you wish you were seeing it. So at the church, we want to set culture. And we want to let you know in this series of DNA that this is who the avenue is. But this is also our expectation that when you're here, this is who we are. So when I see you at the football game, or I see you at Walmart, or I see you at Starbucks, and I'll probably see you there a lot. When I see you somewhere, we know that's who we are. That's how we behave. That's how we think. This is the DNA of the avenue. That's why it's great. If you're new here, what an amazing time to come check it out. And I want to invite you to be a part for the next six weeks as we do this. You ever date somebody and you're like, like it takes some time. It takes a window to really get to know and understand who they are, what they're about, what they believe, how they respond. You, that first date, they're on their best behavior. Let me tell you, today you're here for the first time, we're trying to make the car real shiny. You got hang out six weeks, you'll see some flaws. <laughs> you'll see some stuff, and you get to decide, are we a part of this? Are we making a difference? Do we want to partner together? And I'd invite you to join us for all six weeks as we do in this series, DNA. If you have your Bible, Turn with me to Mark chapter 2, the book of Mark, the second chapter. Book of Mark, second chapter. It says this. A few days later, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Jesus had been out and about, but now he returns home. And as he's home, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Don't read over the story so fast that you don't realize that the word is actually preaching the word. So the word is actually giving the word. That when Jesus is in your life, he is actually the, the bread of life. And he, the word is preaching the word to them. And some men came and they brought to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Jesus saw their faith. Tell somebody it's their faith. This is participation time, y'all. You're allowed to talk in class when the teacher gives permission. When Jesus saw their faith. There we go. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? You can't humiliate a man any more than just referring to him in that way. I think like a fellow. Like this is Jesus. They didn't say that rabbi. They didn't say this man. They didn't say the word. They said this fellow. Like they were degrading him in this moment. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately... Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. That'd be a hard friend to have, <laughs> hanging out with somebody and he knows what you're thinking and you didn't say a word. He said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat, walked out in full view of them all, and this amazed everyone. They praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
I want to read one more verse. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says this. They, the church, they, the body of Christ, they, the believers, triumph over him, the enemy, him, the devil, him, Satan. They triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Two ways, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not their love their lives even so much as to death itself. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning for your word that changes us from the inside out. God, I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear in a way we never have and eyes to see in a way we never have experienced before and know your goodness and your power and your presence today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? You ever go to an event, like a moment, a time, an experience, and miss the whole thing? Like you, you, you made plans, you scheduled it, you penciled it in, you responded, you accepted the invite, you said, I'll be there. You showed up, but you didn't show up. You ever been there? Like, like when you go and take your kids to the movies and you drop $85 on two tickets, four tickets, and you're there and you go, you know what, we're here. And you go through the concession, there's another $500 in popcorn and Coke. And you get in there and you feel a little bit lighter in the wallet, but you're full of joy. We're going to see the movie together. And as soon as the trailer is through, because the trailer is going to play, because kids got to see trailers. But the actual event you went for, the movie experience itself, the animated movie that's on the screen that you're sitting there with your children, and you didn't particularly choose it, but you know it would be family time. So you go together and you sit down and what happens? They got to go potty. Not once, not twice, not three times, 10,000 times later. And you missed the experience, but you weren't the experience. It reminded me of a story one time, my brother and I, growing up in Baltimore, we had some family along the East Coast, and we had a cousin we were close to. He was getting married in Atlanta. So Baltimore to Atlanta is a 12-hour drive, so we got off work on Friday, jumped in the car, drove to Atlanta all night, arrived in the early morning hours, the wedding starting at noon, checked into the motel, come on somebody, into the motel, and when we checked into the motel, something happened, and we slept in too late, we can't, we start looking for the wedding, this is back before we got maps on phones, this is back before we got phones in our pockets, this is back before Come on, we got a map and we're unfolding it. And it's, it's large and you're, you got a highlighted line taking you from Baltimore to Atlanta and you're trying to find it. But where is this church in this large city of Atlanta? We arrive at the end. I kid you not. I was the idiot that was standing at the door looking in, just getting there as they swing the doors open as they're coming down the aisle at the end of the wedding and they just pronounce them man and woman and they're coming down and there's me <laughs> waiting to go in and find a seat. I made it to the event, but I missed the whole thing. And I wonder sometimes if that's not what church is like. You hustle. You plan. You strategize. You lay the kids' clothes out the night before. You got breakfast all figured out in the morning. You do everything you can to get here on a Sunday. And you sit down and your mind goes somewhere else. And your busyness of life pulls you in different directions. And different things come up and distractions arise. And you're in the moment, but you're not here at all. Can you relate to that? Can you relate that that's what happens sometimes in our life? That we can get to this moment and we go through it all and yet there's still something that's pulling us away, that's distracting us, that's causing us to miss out on the moment. Maybe you're in that moment right now. Maybe you're in that seat right now. Maybe you're trying to figure things out right now. And I'd ask you to do me one favor is to just pull in and block everything out. Because the conversation I want to have this morning, the talk I want to have here in the next, well, they don't have a clock back there, y'all. I got all day. 
You better pray. Somebody put the clock up real fast. In the next 26, yeah, y'all so turn around. In the next 26 minutes, the talk I want to have is simply this. As we lay DNA, as we discover these values, as we come together and gather and say, who is the avenue? I want this to be the foundational piece that we build everything upon. And it's simply the title of this morning's message is this, Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. If I made t-shirts, how many of y'all would wear it? I'm telling you, when you begin to live your life, when you begin to go to this place, when you understand that that's what my church is all about, people say to me all the time, the avenue, where'd you get that name? I'd love to tell you. It's simply from John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we decided, you know, the avenue is a cool way of saying that scripture. That when you do life together, when we get on board together, and that's where our vision statement comes from, that we exist to move people, move people on the avenue of life from where they are to where God wants them to be. We expect that when you come here and you become a part and you make that decision to put Jesus over everything, you have made a move in your life that is counterculture. Because everything in this world will pull you away, will try to distract you, and you'll be in the moment, but you'll miss the moment. If you don't lay the foundational truth that in my life, Jesus over everything. Everything. And this morning, you may be thinking, like, you go fill in the blank on everything. Everything is everything. I looked up everything. The Bible's written in three different languages. I looked it up in all three. Everything means everything in everything language. Like all languages. It's everything. Brandon got my preacher joke, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's everything. It's, it's all of it. It's your schedule. It's your time. It's your choices. It's your decisions. It's your relationships. It's your mindset. It's your culture. It's your resources. It's everything. Jesus reigns over them all. He is above everything. So when I get to the point of decision, it filters through the, this is the place of full surrender to Jesus. That the question does not exist, will I? The question exists is already answered to say that it falls, as long as it falls underneath of him. That's why when, Jesus, when God was handing out these Ten Commandments so long ago, he said, have no other gods before me. Same language, same thought, same instruction. Jesus over everything. This moment, this time right here that we live in today is so challenging. Because what we want to do oftentimes in life is we want to take our problem and put it with a, an idea and then get a solution. So it's our problem plus our concept equals our solution. Well, our, my problem is my friends. So we add more friends to the mix, but we have more frustration. My problem is my money. Don't have enough. Don't understand it. Not educated in it. So if you add more to it, all you're doing is adding more to the equation. The sum total will still be more frustration, more problems. Who said it? More money? More It'll preach. <laughs> Unless in that equation you take Jesus and you take my problem plus Jesus equals victory. My sin plus Jesus equals my victory. My marriage plus Jesus equals my victory. As long as Jesus has entered into the equation and not expected to be the, the, well, you know, once I get the equation figured out, now I can move into this space. No. You'll just have more of what you started with in the beginning, which has led you to the problem to looking for a solution to start with. You have to take your issue, your problem, your shortcoming, and realize that when I do, I add it into the space of Jesus, and I submit it to him. What does the Bible tell me to do? What does his word instruct me to do? How can I live fully surrendered to him? And when I place it under him, now he leads me into a place of victory and triumph. That's why this is so powerful, that I must understand Jesus over everything. 
the culture of this church, the DNA of what we're doing. We want to be in this space. We see this in this church. We see this in this, this setting. Jesus comes home. He comes home. He's, he, this may literally be his home. It was his hometown. Scholars and theologians kind of go back and forth as to exactly if it's his home, if it's hometown, what the language is. But he's at home. The people know him. They're familiar with him. And he sits down. In verse 1, it says, And as they came to him, and they gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And I love this because they said, you know what? We could be out golfing this morning. We could be out doing other things this morning. We could be out spending our time. We could be sleeping in. Thank God for sleep. We could be sleeping in this morning. You know what? We could be out walking the camel today, guys. <laughs> Don't even know if that's a thing. But no, they chose instead. When Jesus was in the house, they were going to be in the house. When Jesus was at home, they were going to be at home. They were going to pack it out, and they were going to be there. Why? Because Jesus over everything, every other distraction, every other function, every other idea, every other concept, every other event, every other thing that could go on, they sat down and said, he's here. I am too. Count me in. But you've got to understand context. Because in this day, for these people, we don't know what day of the week it was. For them to take off time from work and go to home church, small group, temple, whatever it might be. When he sat down in that house, when they went to that moment, they didn't have PTO. Praise the Lord for PTO. But they didn't have it. So this is a sacrifice they're making. These are people that are working 12, 16 hours a day out in the sun, outside, working and grinding. And if you don't work in this day, you don't eat. And yet they're willing to gather. They're willing to sit. They're willing to be there together. My concern is that our church today doesn't understand this kind of sacrifice. The American church doesn't understand what it's like for the world to know that sometimes when you make that decision and say, Jesus over everything, the moment you do, your family's lives could be at risk. Your own personal safety could be jeopardized. And we're cushioned and we're in this space where I got next Sunday, people. I'll just go catch small group. I'll watch it online. And I want to talk to the camera for just a moment. Because I understand we went through a health crisis. And I understand there's some people that are still in health situations. But if you just got into a bad habit because you're still staying home because of other distractions, you are welcome to come back. And you are welcome to be a part. And you're welcome to sit in. And we're going so crazy, we made room for you. And there's another service coming our way and your way. And you are welcome. And I want to encourage you, if you're living out of a bad habit, get out of it. If it's a health scenario, we're praying for you. If it's a habit thing, it's time to change and put Jesus over that thing. Jesus is worthy of my time and my attention over everything else. My time and my attention, my focus, my thoughts. If you want to see miracles happen, if you want to see breakthrough in your life, you have to focus on Jesus. You have to bring him your time and the attention. Could you imagine if you only called somebody up when you needed help? and That was the only time they heard from you. Could you imagine if you were that person that the only time you got a phone call and you saw your phone ring and you looked at it and you thought, what do they need now? Because the only time I hear from them is when they need a check, when they need a place to crash, when they need help. Let me encourage you. When you put Jesus over everything, all of your time and your attention is spent on him and with him. That doesn't mean that you're in the Bible and you're reading 24 hours a day and you've got to drop your job. That just means that the Word is in you, so wherever you go, you're carrying the Word with you. It means you do create time. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe it's at your lunch hour. You're creating time and saying, I'm, I'm opening this up. I need to know what it says. I'm giving it my time and my attention. My focus is back on the Word, and I'm in the Word daily. Look at somebody say daily. Daily means every day. Every day. 
I'm giving him my time and my attention. And we're, we, we're I, Pastor, I ain't seen a miracle in so long. But where's Jesus in your life? How much of Jesus is in your life? Are you serving him even when you don't need that miracle? Are you giving and living at that level even when that's not a need that you have or only as the need exists? Because Jesus is not a thing we do. He is the thing we do. The avenue. Let me reinforce that thought one more time. He's the message of every song. He's the point of every every message we preach. He is the context of everything we say. If we do a small group and we hang out and we play golf and hit the ball down the fairway, it's all about Jesus. We get together and open up a book and read a book. It's not the Bible. Still, our hearts are gathered together in Jesus' name. We're doing life together. We're celebrating community together. I have somebody that's on my side. I'm living my life with Jesus over everything. Sometimes, sometimes, this is the challenge. And if you feel a little bit convicted, let me just make it a little bit worse for you. <laughs> John Piper said this, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last days that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. I have time. Where am I putting it? Where am I investing it? Where am I giving it? What am I doing with what I have? The story of reference, Jesus was preference in the house, was, was there in the house, and he got the attention. You can't serve Jesus on an empty tank. And you can't serve him with nothing to give. And you can't live your life into a space where what else can I give to him now? But understand this, verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Context, this man, this paralyzed man, was an outcast to society. In this day, the ancient world, if you had a disability, you were a second-rate citizen. You were put to the side. You had a special place to live that people didn't necessarily associate with you, but somehow, some way, this man still had friendships and relationships. So these people went and got him and brought him because they knew that, hey, if we give Jesus our focus and our attention and our time and we bring this need before him, Jesus can do what nobody else can. You need some people in your life that when you're down and out and you're discouraged and you're frustrated and things are upside down, listen, not everybody knows you're going through that. Sometimes you have to pick up the phone and initiate that conversation. You have to send that text message. You have to say the, you have to say the words and ask for help. And if somebody, you know somebody who is in that moment, church, lean in. Lean in and love them. You don't even have to give them the solution. You just have to show up. Well, Pastor, I was just too discouraged to come to church this morning. I'm going to send somebody to pick you up. We need to be people that lean into that moment because every person has a place in the presence of Jesus. Jesus leveled the playing field. Women, they were second-rate citizens in this day. Jesus used women in ministry. Jesus blessed women, and you see his ministry flourishes and grows because of the involvement he has, females, and yet the men had to figure, oh, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus used people with disabilities. He used people that the world and that culture had set to the side. He said, I got a new culture for you. Every person has a place in my presence. At the avenue, we walk that out too. It doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter your economical status. It doesn't matter where you come from, your background, what you've been through, where you are now. You have a place here in his presence. That's why we're making more room, because more people need to know that. In the early days of the avenue, before we were even having services, before we even started doing this, I was looking for a building. I've been looking for a building for a long time, y'all. We didn't even have services. Tara remembers this story. And I went, met with this man about this building. Well-known man, well-known building in the area. Went and met with him. 
kind of had some conversations, didn't necessarily tell him up front what we were doing it for, what we were doing with it. And as the conversation evolves, I realized that he wasn't going to invest into it, the building, what it needed. It needed some upgrades. It needed some things done. And so it kind of dissolved that the idea, the concept. And I hadn't given up on it, but I just realized that, that that was not the focus of that conversation. And, I, and I, he, he was really kind of rough on the edges and kind of just using some, you know. And so finally he just drops. He just goes, so what do you even want this building for, man? And sometimes as a pastor, you want to lie. I'm not going to lie to you. You just want to be like, you know, I'm going to use it to study and teach some people and raise educational level. Yeah, no, I said, you know what? I'm a pastor. I moved into the area to start a church, and we're going to use it as a church. And, and, and that's the last thing he thought he was going to hear. And he's got, you know, he picked up his jaw off the floor, and he began apologizing. I apologize for some of the things I said. I said, you don't have to apologize to me. Don't ever you know, take care of that with him, not me. He said, well, well, but you would never want my kind there at your church. So it's not going to, I mean, if this worked out, that'd be one thing. But don't expect to see me. I said, sir, excuse me for one moment. You're the exact reason why I picked up my family and moved across this state and landed in this space. And God asked me to come and sent me here just for you. And he was. I'm telling you, we have to see people. We have to see the reality that people are our passion and they are our purpose. They are not our problem. And we are available to them at all times. Verse number four, since they could not get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof by digging through it and then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And this doesn't make sense because he didn't come to get forgiveness. He came to get healing. But look how important this church of faith is. Look how important and vital this is that this moment he's in, that when you can't believe it for yourself, you need to have people close to you that can. You should write this down. Your community either brings you closer to or draws you away from Jesus. The people you're surrounded with, the culture of your relationships will either bring you closer to Jesus or draw you away from him. And you make the choice. And the decision is yours. And this man said, I am going to be surrounded by people that are going to bring me to him. We don't know a lot about this man. We don't know a whole lot. We know he was disabled and we know he had good friends. But I can promise you this, his friends had some issues too. The Bible just doesn't tell us what they are. How do I know that? Because you got issues, and I got issues, and none of us have ever met a human being that didn't have issues. So these four friends have issues. It's just that, that being paralyzed and being disabled in his legs is not one of their issues, so they're able to pick him up. Do not ever think that because you don't have the same issue as somebody else, you can't help them. You actually have the ability to help them. But isn't it crazy how oftentimes when we have a fault, when we have a habit, when we have an issue, we're drawn to people with that same issue. It's amazing the way that this works. That oftentimes when I have this vice in my life, I find people with the same sickness, the same disease, the same sin. I talked to a pastor one day traveled, had a great ministry. This man fell to moral failure, fell hard. It's a great friend of mine. It, 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 it literally, it was emotional for Tara and I. And I met with him and I said, you know, we, we, I walked through with him. Man, what, you know, at one point the conversation is what happened. And he said to me something I've never forgotten. He said, Dave, he said, when I was really in this sin, when I was all in on this, he said, I could walk into a room, and it didn't matter if it was a restaurant or a church. I could walk in there, and within five minutes, I knew who had the same sickness, and I could sleep with them. 
Because there's something in our spirit that draws us to people with the same vice, that draws us to people with the same challenge, that draws us to, and why do we do that? Why is it that I surround myself with people who have the same challenge and they cannot help me? And they go, well, your marriage is just done because once that occurs, there's no bouncing back. Don't surround yourself with voices like that. You have to change the community so that people are not pulling you from God but moving you towards him and going, no, there is a second chance. No, it can be stronger. No, God can redeem your story. This does not have to be the end. You have to understand and recognize that naturally you're going to be drawn to people that are going to have the same challenges, and you have to find people that are stronger in areas and rely on them. And their faith, Jesus looked at him and saw their faith, and then he healed the man. We're not even told that this man had any faith of his own. But he's in a community of people who could. Verse 6 says this. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. He, who can forgive sins but God alone? In our lives, we need to refuse to allow man's limited experience to keep you from God's limitless power. We have experiences that are so, we put God in a box. We put relationships in a box. We put experiences in a box. We put mindsets in a box. I've never seen that done in church before. I've never heard of that before. I've never seen that done that way before. I, I don't know why we do that. Why do we sing four songs? Why, why do we only have a service that lasts 75 minutes? Why does the pastor say he has 24 minutes left to preach? Why do, why, why do we put God in a box? Why is it that we have small groups, but we don't have 45, we just have 13? Why is it that we, we, we put God in a box and, and you know what, my kids are just this way, they're always going to be this way, they're never going to be different than this. It's a box. It's a box. It's a limited experience. And yet, when we put God in that box, we cannot access his limitless power. You must tear down that box and pull it back and go, God, I am open to all that you have. God, I'm going to have a different mindset. I'm going to elevate you in my life so you're over every mindset, every thought, every past experience. Some of y'all need to get past a religious experience, a religious thing that happened to you or the way you were raised and go, well, I've just never seen that in church before. I've never heard about that before. I've never experienced that before. And say, God, if it's from you, I want it. If it's not, God, I don't want nothing to do with it, and neither do I. But anything God has... Every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. I don't ever have to be concerned. God, I know this is from you, but no, no, God is for you. God is with you. God loves you. Take God and do not allow that box to hold you back. Three realities, three places the box of sin, and yet we realize with God, every sin is forgivable, and he's the only one who can. The box of sickness, that with God, every sickness is healable. And there's not different levels, not according to my experience, but we understand every sickness that we have is healable. And my story, with God, every story is redeemable. It is not too late. My past is not greater than my future. And why? Because Jesus over everything. So I can put my sin under him. I can put my story under him. I can put my sickness under him. And he can reign and rule in my life over everything. And there's no box that contains his power that is unlimited. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. We lose so much of this historical account, this context when we speed read it. We read through it. We read to get done. You got to slow down, pump the brakes, and understand in this moment what is happening in this story is Jesus is literally. And this is my, my this is my high tech innovative illustration right here. My preschool map. Oh, this might be a yoga map. This ain't even preschool. Jesus is looking at this man, 
And he says, son? And the man's like, yes? He says, your sins are forgiven. And you know that man had to be like, well, that's good. That's great. I didn't come with a sin problem. I didn't come with a sin. Did you guys bring me here? Did you trick me into coming to church to take care of my sins? And there's not a sin problem that the man's aware of. But Jesus is taking care of things from the inside out. Because he wants them to know that only the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins. And they question this in their hearts. And he says, oh, and by the way, be healed. Take up your mat and walk. And we speed read this. And we go, what did that man, what could that man be thinking? What was going through his mind? I literally have to now attempt to use the legs that have been disabled for a long time. We don't know if it was from birth. We don't know if there was an accident. What occurred? But whatever it was, we know this man could not get around on his own. And suddenly he had to go from a place. See, getting the faith, the first miracle, he just had to believe. Yeah, okay, my sins are forgiven. But we oftentimes miss the second miracle. Because Jesus didn't just say to him, your sins are forgiven, and move on. He said, your sins are forgiven. Praise God. Now take up your mat and walk. And as believers and as a church, we miss this so many times. Because what do we do? We get up. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Yes. And we go on. And we forget our mat. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Take up your mat and walk. Well, Jesus, you meant the, the mat? But the mat is a sign of my disability. Jesus, when people see the mat, they know there's a disability. They know there's something, and, and they're going to hold it against me. Jesus, you realize people are people. They're going to hold this against me. They're going to have these thoughts. They're going to have this perspective, this perception. Jesus, they're going to know I got to, okay. I guess if you say so, I'll take my mat. And Jesus says, and go home. And this man takes up his mat. He says, okay. And he begins to walk. And you need to see this picture. That when he's walking with this mat, everybody is going to be drawn to their attention and going, wait a minute. I got a question, sir. Is that mat yours? Or you, maybe, maybe he's taking it to somebody else that he knows needs a mat who has a disability. No, it's mine. But why are you walking with it? What, what's, this, what's the reason? You don't, you don't need it. Are you a fake? What's the matter? Are you a fraud? Man, what are you doing carrying a mat you don't need? No, no, hold on a second. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you why I'm carrying my mat around with me. It's because Jesus came into my life. It's because a man looked at me and said, your sins are forgiven and healed my legs. I used to not be able to walk. I used to not be able to do this. You know what I want to do? I want to be like, forget you, Matt, with these new legs I got. But no, instead, I carry this mat now as a sign to the world of God's story in my life church stop being ashamed of your story stop being afraid to tell if there's one thing that we need to get better at here at the avenue and as a church it's telling our story and not carrying the shame of it there is a story to be told i want videos to play every weekend of your stories of what god has done in your life the greatest book people read in this world when they don't crack this open is your life. So you go to work. Got my mat. Well, he comes with his mat. You're on the verge of divorce. What happened? Yeah, I was. But Jesus. Man, I thought you got a report from the doctor. Said, you know, things are bad. I did. Jesus. Can I tell you, one of the greatest compliments I receive as a preacher, as a pastor, is the transparency that we live with. One of our mats is our marriage started out on the rocks and not the rock. Like we had Jesus, but man, it started out real rocky. 
in the first couple years, I don't even know we loved each other that much. We just, we, like, it was, it was hard. It's terrible. It's frustrating. We went on our honeymoon and thought. Honeymoon was supposed to be fun, I heard. Like, we, we, it was hard, but I can prove to you. So I can hide that and be like, hey, you mind hiding my mat? Don't ever tell anybody about my marriage. It was bad, but it's better now. Don't tell anybody. Or I can let you see it so my mat causes you to find hope. Am I willing to allow my weakness to be seen so his strength is known? Am I willing to expose the shame and the indignity that I could bear, because you could look at me and be like, man, you're a bad person. Or you could go, that's a good God. It's time we pick up our mats and understand this is not about me. Jesus over everything. He's over my story. He's the reason for my story. And somewhere along the line, we got it wrong in the stance of this. We want people to see how good we are now as if we had anything to do with it. Your sins are forgiven. Be healed. Take up your mat and walk. Let me give you a couple, couple scriptures to reinforce this. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special, special possession that you may declare that people can see your mat. And when they see that, they see and they sing the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, I don't live in any of them cities or countries or nations or... No, no, no. But you live where you are. Jesus said to that man, take up your mat, walk, and go home. The greatest story we have to tell is the people that know us the best. Because they know my stuff. They know my issues, my habits, my sins, my hang-ups. Could you imagine walking back in and being like, yeah, got my mat, but I got Jesus. And I'm willing to tell my story so that it helps each one of you. So what's your story? What's your mat? What story brings him glory? What is your mat that when you share it, when you tell it, man, I want you to come. Pastor, I want to tell my story. We're going to record it. We're going to put it on the screens. Get ready. We're going to start telling stories. Why? Because we want people to know we have a God that delivered us from this and he can do the same for you. He helped me and he can help you, but you have to be willing to put your pride aside. Because what keeps you from picking up your mat? Pride. Pride. And pride causes you to be far from God and distant from him. And if you want to draw close to him, you humble your heart. And God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So now you understand this scripture from the beginning. Come on, stand up with me. They triumphed over him. Who? We triumphed over the enemy. How? By the blood of the lamb, the miracle of salvation that you did nothing for except believe by faith. Oh, and then what did they do? And by the word of their testimony, your victory comes through your voice, through your story, through your testimony. Your victory, your triumph comes by telling what God did for you. And they did not love their lives even so much as death. That seemed pretty extreme, Brian. Like extreme, like they're willing to give their lives. But am I willing to suffer through humiliation? These people lost their heads. These people went through great acts of martyrdom. 
and said, I'll still let my story be known. Would you? Would you walk? I promise you, I guarantee you, if we told your story and you felt bad about it on the other side, you don't ever have to come back to this church. We'll delete you from the Rolodex. We ain't got a Rolodex, but PCO, let's be modern here. You just, I'm just too embarrassed, Pastor. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because this is the way it works in the kingdom. This is how God works. Look at the stories in the Bible. How many of these people volunteered to be in the Bible? Hey, you know, tell, tell, tell my story. What a privilege. What an honor. What an opportunity. Say, Jesus, use my story. Close your eyes for a moment. Look inside for a moment. What is your mat? What is your story? What are you holding back? What needs to be seen? You, you walked away from it. You let it go. You said, that, that can't be known as that. People will think less of me if they knew that about me. Some addiction, some failure, some fault. Okay, ready? Everybody's got something. Each one. But who's willing to lay it on the altar of sacrifice and say, God, use my story for your glory. I want to talk to somebody right now while you're looking in your heart. And you just say, you need to get up off that mat. Maybe your problem is not that the mat has been left behind. Maybe you're just stuck there on that mat. I think, man, God just put a couple people on my heart this morning as I was praying, drinking my coffee, praying for you. He said, there's somebody that has lost their zeal. They've lost their fire, and they need to get it back. They used to love me so much. They used to have me above everything, but other things have gotten in the way. Talk to that person this morning, Dave. At the end of service, talk to them and just say, I want to get to know them again. I want to be closer to them again. I want them to get their zeal back once more that's you. I want you to be encouraged this morning. It's time to get up off that mat and step back into that on fire relationship with God. Maybe you're addicted. Maybe there's an addiction, whatever it is. Define it any way you want. You just, I can't do this. I have to stay on this mat. I've tried to get up. I pushed myself up and I fell back down. And I stood up and I fell back down. So I'm not getting up anymore. No, sir, ma'am, you need to get up again. In Jesus' name, you can get up off that mat and live your life free from that addiction. Not on your own. You need to get in a group. You need support. You need friends to surround you. Maybe you're battling massive depression. Maybe you just have a toxic relationship. You just need to get out of it. The last person God put on my heart is somebody that has a call of God on your life. You know you're called. It's a different kind of calling. It's a ministry type calling. And something happened. I don't know what. I don't need to know. You want me to know? I can. It doesn't matter. Something happened, and you got back down on that mat and said, I won't do that again. I can't. God wants you to know this morning that call and that gifting are without repentance. They're irrevocable. And he's still waiting for you to get off that mat and step back into that call. That ministry he created you to do, created you for. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I love this song that we're about to sing. I just want you to chew on this. You're worthy of it all, God. You're worthy of it all. You deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. You and you alone. And oftentimes when we leave that mat, we are searching for a glory for ourselves. 
But God, you're worthy of it all. So God, we lift our voices. We lift our hands. And God, we remember the place we were. We remember what that mat looked like in our lives. I remember the situation, the circumstance that surrounded me that I was in and was holding me back. And if it was not for you, I don't know where I'd be. If it wasn't for your grace, what I would become right now, I don't know. But God, never let it be known that because of me or my own well-being, my own good doing, I caused myself to arrive at this space today. But God, use my story to glorify you, to be seen by other people, to draw people to you because of what you've done through me. The greatest gift I might ever give you back, God, is to testify of your goodness in my life. Because you're worthy. Only you and you alone are worthy. are real easy. I'm going to lift your hands. I'm going to lift your hands across the room. You're watching online. Lift your hands. I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know where you're at. Just enter into this moment. I'm going to engage God in this moment. He's the very reason for my existence. I'm going to remind myself, Jesus over everything, over my pride, over my priorities, over my passions, over my past. You're worthy, God. Come on, one more time. One more time. From you are all things, and to you are all things. Just close your eyes for a moment. The greatest miracle you will ever experience in your life is the miracle of salvation. The miracle that God reaches down and touches you and says, Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. This morning, somebody needs to experience that. You need to step into that. You need to walk out of here knowing you did not leave the way you came. In the name of Jesus, you walked out of here forgiven, saved, whole, alive, on your way to heaven. Now your purpose is in place. And now you can do an amazing thing for God. You can get up off that mat and your story of redemption is now in place. But it starts with this miracle of salvation. And if that's you, just do me a favor. Shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. I just want, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you down the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to, I know who I'm praying for this morning. If you need to step in that space of Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Across this room, I'm going to ask you a question. It's very challenging. If you're willing to tell your story for his glory, I want you to make that commitment right now. Because you walk out of here, you'll lose the faith to do it. The devil will get in your ear and tell you, eh, you can't trust them. And all kind of lies. But I want you right now to make that decision. You're going to reach out and say, I, I got a story. We'll use discretion, of course. But if that's you, shoot your hand up. Come on, shoot your hand up and say, Dave, Dave, I want my story to be known. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Up and down, put it up and down. Thank you, thank you. Hands up all over the place. God, I thank you 
that you are going to receive all of the glory. You will be glorified in this place. Jesus and no one else. You and you alone. Jesus over everything. I want to pray a prayer with you. We pray this prayer together with our mouths wide open and our hearts fully believing. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Today is a new day. Forgive me and make me clean. Use my life to reach somebody else in some way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together, church, and celebrate what God's doing.